Hey, this is Rachel True, and you're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. I, was just, I can't even hate you for that because I've totally done that a million times where it's like, I need to watch this thing, but there's reruns of Wings. I'm going to watch that instead. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I haven't watched Wings in a long time. It's on Hulu. Like, I was I was telling you, oh my gosh. Like, I've been on this, like, 80s kick like crazy, right? Yeah. Um, And I've been watching Wings on Hulu, but they just added Golden Girls to Hulu. Oh! I used and, to love both of those shows. Oh, Golden yeah, Girls, I'm so I was so so addicted to. So the Golden oh, Girls was like it was like my connection with my grandmother. Like Saturday nights, I would go stay with her. My parents would go out and do whatever it is that parents do in the yeah. 80s, and I would stay with my grandmother and we watched the Golden Girls together. And like I just remember laughing mostly because I didn't get the jokes, but because my grandmother was laughing. Mm-hmm. And watching this show now as an adult, those women are raunchy, and I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm just like this is awesome. Like I I. I always knew it was funny, but I didn't realize how funny it really was. And like, mm-hmm. because I'm me and I spend time doing shit like this, I started researching it because I found out that Betty White and B. Arthur had a feud and I didn't know what it was about. What? So I, I looked it up and I was like, what was their beef about? So basically it, it breaks down to two schools of thought when it comes to sitcoms and comedies, right? B. Arthur was classically trained on Broadway and worked with Norman Lear. On shows ah. like *On the Family* and *Maud* and *The Jeffersons*, all those things that were like these very like serious actors like playing these roles, but the archetypes were what was funny. It wasn't so much like them doing goofy shenanigans. Yeah. Whereas Betty White was from the Mary Tyler Moore, Dick Van Dyke school of thought when it comes to television, mm-hmm. where it's like the hey, we're all friends and it's all funny and we're having a good time and we're going to share that with everybody and that's what's so enjoyable and funny about this show, mm-hmm. and. B. Arthur resented Betty White because Betty White would go out between takes uh, of the Golden Girls and like talk to the audience and be friends with them and pal around and stuff like that. Uh, Arthur's like, I'm I'm so method, you can't do that shit. And the other thing too was is like the of the three characters, the big three, uh, you know, Rose, Blanche, and um, why did I just blank on uh, B. Arthur's character's name? Uh, Dorothy. Dorothy. Of the big three, Rose was stupid. Um, Blanche was the slut mm-hmm. and, uh, Dorothy was big, tall, mannish and ugly. Yeah. And B. Arthur resented that because Betty White's not actually stupid. Mm-hmm. Rue McClanahan's not actually oh, a slut. Oh, yeah. It really disliked that they were basically making fun of her through Dorothy. So it was, oh. yeah, just reading this and I was like, wow. And like. Even Betty White like talks about her still. Like Betty White doesn't trash her at all. She was like right. she's an amazing woman. She was an amazing actress. She did amazing things. She was a marine for crying out loud. Right, uh, right. In World War II, like she was like she did all these amazing things. So I can't besmirch her at all because she was an amazing person. We just didn't get along personality wise. Yeah. And like even I, mean, I loved her character. She oh was yeah. Probably. I mean, I don't. I, I think she was probably my favorite, followed by. Sophia, maybe, and and Rose, and then Blanche. Blanche was annoying to me because she was so ditzy. But yeah. um, I don't know. I loved, yeah, I loved uh, B. Arthur's character. She was great. I think and they're the- also they balance each other out so well, and like, and I think, true. I don't know. I never, I never really got ugly in terms of the jokes for Dorothy. It was more 
Um, well, I guess because there's a lot of jokes about nobody will date you. Yeah. Mm. See, I don't remember as much, but I'm sure if I watched it again, I'd, I'd catch up on that or pick up on that. I do remember all the raunchy humor. I definitely got it when I was watching it back when. I was like, oh, I get it. I mean, I had a, <laughs> I, I knew all the dirty jokes growing up. I, I knew that stuff. I mean, my parents didn't know I knew that stuff, but I knew it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was kind of like, I got all that stuff. Well, I don't know if I got all of it, but I certainly yeah. got a big amount of it. There's... Anyway, um, I hate to say it, but Tom's coming in at 10 o'clock, so if we're going to record, I have to start recording at some point. Are we recording Let's... now? We're, we've been recording this whole time, yes. <laughs> we have been? We have, yes. Oh, man. I'm not going to use, anything I'm not gonna that use all saying. I'm not going to use all of it. Like, okay. it's just, I will cut some of it. Uh, it's not, cut it, out all is... the stupid things I just said, plus the part where uh, I confessed that I knew all the dirty jokes in uh, Golden Girls <laughs> when I was a kid. That just <laughs> means you're a culture human being. Sorry, mom yeah. and dad. No, you know what? They'll never listen to this anyway. So. <laughs> I was going to say, your, your parents are listening to the podcast? That's I don't think dad. so, but. Sweet. <laughs> It's okay. If it makes you feel better, when I was, uh, I think I was about six or seven years old, uh, my dad definitely let me watch RoboCop with him. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I got I got exposed to all of that stuff, too, at an early age. So, I, I got a, a pretty good smattering of, of the arts and uh, various things that were probably very inappropriate for little kids. But while we're speaking of the 80s, because that is tonight's topic, we're going to be talking movies yeah. of the 80s. The 80s was a really weird time, because... That movie, we'll use RoboCop as an example. It, it was not appropriate for children at all, but there were kids' toys of all of the major characters, and all, like RoboCop That's a good actually point. had, yeah. yeah, he had a detachable thing on his back, the action figure, and you could put caps in his back so that you could little pull a little <laughs> lever, and he would shoot people. And it was like it was the eighties. They were like, yeah, it's cool, man. Don't worry I about it. Kids, kids that. Like, oh man. Oh, wow. oh dude, there's there are fucking uh, alien and predator toys. I know about. A, a rewrite on the Alien 3 script because of a of an alien toy that was released because they had they had to have so much lead time in order to like get the sculpting done and get all the prototyping and stuff finished um, so in an early draft of the script that they thought they were going to shoot with the alien doesn't um, the face hugger doesn't go after a dog it goes after a bull and there was a bull alien that was released in conjunction with the movie and then they just did a rewrite on the script and they swapped the animals out. <laughs> but yeah, already movies uh, uh, with, with fucking uh, toys for kids is yeah. bananas. It, just, <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. it nuts. was nuts. The 80s yeah, was just absolutely crazy. nuts. They huh. built entire series around toys too. Like one of my favorite, like, that's true. Often, that was fun though. <laughs> yeah. Like G.I. Joe, for instance. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, well, no, well, that was, I mean, that was on a comic book series first, but. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about, wait, was He-Man, uh, He-Man wasn't comics first or was it? No, He-Man no. was, was action figures first. It was a. Yeah, that's what I thought. He-Man. Yeah. So I was going to say He-Man and She-Ra both because of course they like came out of it, came, uh, She-Ra came out of He-Man. What, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. He-Man yeah. came first. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was, it was the same. Um, well, I think, I think. He-Man was um, released directly in conjunction with the toys. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas, like, because I was going to say like like Transformers, but Transformers was a bunch of different shows in Japan that then they then mashed yeah. all together, um, or at least a bunch of different toys and they that's, that's what it was. It was a bunch of yeah. random, unrelated toy series yeah. that they then made a show out of. Be like, yeah, that's why it fucking makes sense. That's why you have like. You know, the Autobots aren't all just cars. Some of them are like microscopes and right. all kinds of random shit. 
Um, this one's because, a city. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Because they were completely unrelated. Now I just want to think of like weird things that you could make transformer. And here, like, have this cell phone transformer. Woo. <laughs> it's it transforms into a tiny drone. <laughs> this one's an electric toothbrush. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or or your electric razor. That would be hilarious. Just just, like... just imagine being like a transformer, right? And they're passing out the assignments of what you're going to turn into. Like what's your <laughs> robot thing? When you go from robot to this, and you get something like really really lame. They're like, you're a Roomba. What? <laughs> I'm a I robotic would love vacuum. that because Seriously? then my Transformer Roomba would be way more programmable and you can just like, okay, get in that corner. Go ahead and do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I mean, I have a shark one and it's pretty good, but I would love an even more customizable vacuum. <laughs> All right, so Wave ladies, of the future. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and kick off tonight's episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Uh, I am running solo tonight. MC Brooks is actually out doing whatever people do on a Friday night that I'm not aware of because I'm <laughs> old and I have no social life. So he's out doing things. Uh, Wait, does Ms. that mean we're old and have no social life? Thanks, Mike. <laughs> no, because you guys don't host the show. You're guests. Like, That's you true. That's yeah. True. Well, true. And Ra- Rambo, well, we're not going to... Rambo's special. Like, Rambo's part of the team, but he's like, he's like Wolverine. Where it's like he shows up when he wants to because he's a loner and he, he picks on <laughs> something, 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 the best at what he does and bub and snicked and all this other stuff. But wow. yeah. All right. Yeah. And he's got a sweet beard too, like Graham, like like Wolverine. So he's got that going for him. I don't have the balls to do the chops though. The mom, yeah. <laughs> I got to maintain the beard to like give the illusion of a jawline. Uh, so same. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you should grow it for some, like, b- before Halloween one year. Do it do it just for, like, grow it for a month and then go to Halloween and then shave it all off. Wolverine who really let himself go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Found sure, out about Twinkies, bub. Yeah. I, do, I, I don't know what you look like, so you can make those jokes about yourself, but I, I don't know what you look like. So, sure, I'll agree with you or not, I guess. I don't know. Fair enough. I'm a fat man. Oh. Guys, hey, on tonight. On tonight's episode, we've got James Rambo, as you've heard. We also have special guest. She is one of the writers of the, I would say, Smash comic book series. I think that's fair <laughs> enough to say, right? Uh, the Underfoot. Aww, thanks. She'll be telling us a little bit about that and her escapades across the various Comic-Cons that she has attended uh, this summer. Uh, but we're going to be talking movies of the 80s, our favorite, the best. Uh, some that maybe not even are really that good, but they're... Uh, they're our favorites anyways. They're those guilty pleasure 80s movies that I feel like everybody has at least two or three of. We'll be talking all of those things and more tonight on GGR Pirate Radio. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Start your computations for time warp. You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn same thing. thing. So you just put him in the morgue. You goddamn right. It's called Pirate Radio. <laughs> it is useless to resist. Don't let yourself be destroyed as only one did. <laughs> 
$10 for a BJ, $12 for an HJ, $15 for a ZJ. What's a ZJ? <laughs> you have to ask, big man. You can't afford it. This is called Pilot Radio. Paying heels. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. Portly Plover, make a wish. Wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. This is called Pilot Radio. Before you start. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns are for jerks. It's like, oh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzford. I'm totally going to use that, too. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, this all started with an awesome website about five years ago, and that website is greatgeekrefuge.com. It expanded. There's articles there where it started with, and then we got into the podcasting thing, too, which is how you're hearing us now. Joining me on tonight's episode, which is an 80s movies flashback, we've got a GGR contributor. Uh, he's an awesome artist. He's a wonderfully talented uh, man and just pretty much everything. He's super knowledgeable uh, and also, I'm pretty sure, an amazing bowler as well. His name is James Rambo. Hey, buddy. Are you a good bowler, though? That was a guess. No, not in the slightest. I love bowling, but I'm terrible. I'm not terribly well-coordinated. So so edit, uh, he loves bowling. I do like to bowl. (laughs) We've also got special guest tonight uh, from somewhere in the mysterious regions of Northern Virginia. Uh, (laughs) She is one of the writers of the... I would again. I'm, I'm going to use Smash Hit. I think it, it's. I've seen a lot of good response for it online. Uh, I mean, you're doing panels. You're you're selling books at Comic Con, so it's got to be going well. Uh, that book is called The Underfoot, and we have Miss Emily Witten on the show today. Hello, guys. The '80s were awesome. Let's just let's just get it out of the way. Like there, there's no denying this fact. I think all of us, because we're all about the same age range we're like mid 30s maybe early 30s but like right in that same range where the we were born in the 80s it wasn't like where we did most of our growing up but this is when we really started watching movies and appreciating the fine art of cinema as as it were it's it's one of my favorite decades in general for for music for movies for art um and my list is so ridiculously long it's i there's no way we're going to talk about all these movies but god we're going to try we certainly are. I want to start with, let's, I mean, get the ball rolling here. And that is totally a, uh, an intended pun, too. Because when it comes to the beginning scene of a movie, <laughs> that first, like, ten minutes of Raiders of the Lost Ark might be one of the most exciting ten minutes in cinema comparable to any. I don't, I don't, I can't think of many other movies that have an intro that's one as memorable, too, as exciting. And Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's a few movies that I put into this category. Casablanca is one of them. Raiders of the Lost Ark is another one. Uh, The Godfather is another one that, in my opinion, are flawless. There's there's nothing that can be picked at with this where it's like, oh, well, this this was poor and the acting was bad and the script was crap. And no, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of those ones, again, in my opinion, that gets put up on that upper echelon. It was just it was fantastically done. The acting was great. The directing was great. You get amazing characters. Um, you have 
iconic scenes. I mean, like if for all of us, because we were all young when this movie came out, if you didn't get the shit scared out of you when you saw those Nazis get their faces melted at the oh end. Oh my God, I still can't. Yeah. Oh, that scene. So ah. Yeah, yeah. And let me just state this real quick, because I've said it on the podcast before. Let me tell you how empowering that is as a Jew, knowing that the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> just melt people's faces if you fuck with them. Like, I was like, yeah, that's right. Lakayan, bitch. It was awesome. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is, yeah, I, I just, I absolutely love that movie so very much. I feel like every other Indiana Jones movie is good in comparison, but Raiders of the Lost Ark is excellent, and nothing really can come close to that one um, and everything else has just gotten pretty close but it's never going to touch that one um, guy, I mean give me your opinion guys I mean uh, in any order I don't care who, who speaks first uh, as long as you guys don't s- step on each other <laughs> well it was on my list it was okay. definitely so I, I've got a list of course that's a million miles long like you and Raiders was on my list it, it really is a genuinely all, all around great movie and I mean, freaking Indiana Jones. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I mean, you've said a bunch of the things that I would say about it. There's just, there's iconic scenes. It's action packed, but it's got humor. It's got a great lead. I, yeah, I love that movie. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Mr. Rambo. So I don't want to be the one to like burst your bubble, but have you not heard the Indies not necessary theory? <laughs> hang on. Hang on. What? <laughs> So uh, somebody okay. somebody just, just sort of like thought it out in terms of the requirements for, for Indiana Jones being in the actual movie. Um, if he's not there at all, everything still happens. They still go and they get the Ark. They still um, open the Ark. They all still die. Yeah. He's wholly unnecessary to the plot. I've, I've, I have read that before. I've actually... Which, you know I what? Think it, I don't give yeah. a fuck. He's awesome. Yeah, I was exactly. going to say, does that really matter? Because is it about whether they open the Ark and get their faces melted? Or is it about Indiana Jones and then they open the Ark and they get their face? You know, like, I mean, that's he's a, just so point. much fun. He's freaking cool. He's a professor. He's a nerdy professor who also, like, runs around and jumps at things and swings on things and, and shoots people. And, I mean, it's just, yeah. That is a fantastic point. Um, Right? And yeah, who gives a shit if it is uh, 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 plot required? Um, Indiana Jones is cool as hell and awesome. And yeah, everything about that movie is fantastic. Plus, Um, I mean, Marion's life would be very different if Indiana Jones didn't exist. So It's true. true. Maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. Maybe for the better. That's fair. I mean, I'm not saying one way or the other. Exactly. There, there is a really good point though, because if you think about it, right? Let's just say Indy never intervenes, or like Indy plays it cool, where he's kind of like, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a character who would just like allow the villain to just do their thing because it's all he's already like thinking like six steps ahead. I can't think of another hero like that right this second, but he's like, no, let them take it. That's fine. Let them take it to Germany and let them open the Ark in front of yeah. the Fuhrer, <laughs> and then the entire Third Reich is melted by the Ark. I mean, like. Yeah, how, how did you know that it was going to happen? I almost feel like, I feel like Sherlock Holmes would do something like that. Like, and then true, yeah. as they're walking away, like stepping over like the charred corpses of Nazi bodies, like Watson would be like, Holmes, old boy, how did you know that that was going to happen? He'd be like, oh, elementary, my dear Watson. Da, 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 da. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, Is that, that what that you... Sherlock Holmes sounds like? <laughs> yeah, in my brain, yes. <laughs> now that you say that, I admit, if, if you remove Indy from the situation you get rid of the Second World War. 
<laughs> you avoid most of World War II. Oh. <laughs> then again, Mind not necessarily. Stone. There's Mind a great Stone. comic called uh, uh, Seven Psychopaths, and it is a um, uh, like a, like a Dirty Dozen Suicide Squad type type of story, um, where it's a bunch of like mentally ill folks who go after Hitler during World War II. Um, and you find out at the end of it, one of the guys is a master of, uh, of disguise. Um, and he can make himself look like anybody. Uh, so he poses... The, the plan is to have him pose as Hitler um, and then destroy the government from within. Uh, and you find out after everyone else has already died and he survived, uh, they're like, oh, yeah. Like, the Nazis are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're like the fifth Fuhrer. Yeah, the, the, the real Adolf died, like, eight years ago. Um like a bridge went out and his car exploded. Um, wow. So, yeah, here are the plans. Flirt fear. <laughs> Here's what we're doing going forward. It just completely wow. turns the idea of like, well, if Hitler was dead, then everything would be fine. It just completely demolishes that concept. Wow. That's, it's it's interesting you say that because the, uh, the movie that I've been begging you to watch so that we can talk about it. I'm really uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I it, really am. I just <laughs> keep forgetting to watch it. Didn't Lunsford want me to watch this show? Yeah, but I don't know, man. Reruns of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives are on. Let's watch that instead. <laughs> do love watching shows about fat kid food. <laughs> Same. Uh, Miss Emily Witten. What's up? You're up next. Give us one of your 80s picks, please. All right. I'm doing this one on purpose because I'm guessing it's not on anyone else's list. So I have a huge list. It's got a lot of ones that everyone would say. But does anybody else have Running Scared, that gem of 1986, on their list? No. Is that Patrick? Is it Patrick? No, not McDuffie. Who is that? No, it's Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines in a buddy cop movie in Chicago. Does anybody remember this movie? I was definitely confusing that title with something else. I do from my blockbuster days because I can picture the the cover of the movie in my head. Yeah, yeah, because it yeah, has yeah. Billy Crystal wearing a Chicago Cubs jersey on the that front. That is yeah. entirely yeah. correct. That yeah. is that is true. I owned this movie on VHS with the commercials from Channel 11. I then owned it on DVD. Nice. I lent it to my sister because it was one of our favorite movies to quote from, and it never came back. So I'm currently without Running Scared, and we'll have to see if it's on streaming so I can watch it again. But I love this movie. It's one of my. It was one of my sick day movies when I was home from school. I discovered it simply by taping it on TV at some point, you know, but it's hilarious. Like Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines are a perfect team for a buddy cop movie. And it's funny, but it's also kind of grim and dark in certain places. So like Billy Crystal's character is divorced or they're separated. I think it is. And they're trying to like kind of maybe reconcile or whatever. And then like, you know, so there, so, and their personal lives just really aren't super great. And then they're like thinking about retiring, but then there's this one last arrest they need to make. And then they need to like train their replacements and all of this stuff is going on. But amidst all of that, like they're just freaking hilarious and in- insanely wild for like cops. They're not, you know, they're, they're the ones who do not follow the rules, etc. And Jimmy Smith is in it as the villain and he he makes a good impressive villain. I uh, when I saw him on Dexter years later, of course, you know, I was like, "Yep, I remember his turn in Running Scared. He does make a good villain. He's he's pretty scary and, uh, and imposing sometimes." Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. I love the film, 
And there's just these random bits of it that I don't know if they would qualify as quotable to most of the world, but there's this one part where Billy Crystal is calling these two young detectives that they're supposed to be training to take their place when they retire after they say they're going to the captain kind of tricks them into coming back for this arrest, you know? And um, they call the young detectives to give them like a fake tip. And Billy Crystal pretends to be an old woman watching Jeopardy. And it's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, like, it's like in the middle of giving the tip, he's like talking to the TV and stuff and like, oh, no, I want more hot chocolate and marshmallow. Like, it's I don't know. It's just it's a weird movie, but it's so good to me. So I I'll <laughs> tell you this normally in this. I, 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 I actually let me say this up front. I really appreciate that you brought up a movie that is not the norm because most of the time it's like, Hey guys, remember this big name movie that everybody's seen? Yeah, that was great. And we all reminisce and it's nostalgic and it's wonderful. But <laughs> this is because I love Billy Crystal. Like, I think he is hilarious. Like he oh, was Oh, you on... have to watch this movie. You yeah. Have to see it. I'm, I'm going to check it. I'm going to find it and I'll watch it because I, he was really underappreciated when he was on Saturday night live, but yeah. he was hilarious and it was him and I cannot remember the other guy's name he was in uh, this is Spinal Tap but the two of them would basically they would let them get up in front of everybody on Saturday Night Live and they would just riff back and forth and just <laughs> come up with like be like you ever do this thing and it's like you ever like shave your shave your face and then you take rabid beavers and you you, 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 you put them all easily and the other guy like finishes the sentence and he's like yeah you, you put rabid beavers all over your face he's like yeah don't you hate when that happens and like watching this as a kid this like blew my mind I was like what are they even talking about but it was so funny and for this like they had I don't know because I didn't look it up but yeah. well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I I will sound nothing like him now, years later after not having seen it in a while. But he's like, he's like uh, in the middle of the conversation. He's like, oh no, this person just missed a, a thing on Jeopardy because they did not know what Deuteronomy was. Oh no! <laughs> and then pauses in the middle of that to be like, mother, can I have some more petite marshmallows in my hot cocoa? Oh no! And then he goes back to the Jeopardy thing. And it's like in the middle of this tip about like, I saw the guy doing the thing, you know, for the, for the cops to go or the detectives to go and arrest the, the person. And it's yeah. like, they do that throughout the movie. And also he and Gregory Hines have great timing together. And there's some amazingly ridiculous physical comedy. Like there's a point where they're chasing a bad guy down a stairwell. If I remember correctly, one of them like loses his pants and then, like, they're arguing about who has to, who needs the pants. And so Gregory Hines has to throw his pants down the stairwell. And then Billy Crystal doesn't catch them. And so now nobody has pants. They're wearing, like, long underwear because it's Chicago in the middle of winter. But it's, like, this whole ridiculous, like, verbal slash physical comedy routine about pants. And then in the end, they end up in an alley shooting at this car that's driving away and they're both standing there like bow-legged in their long johns and it's like ridiculous. <laughs> the whole movie is just ridiculous. And I mean, of course the eighties fashion shows up, they go to Key West and they're roller skating with those like knee socks with the stripes and like <laughs> tiny, tiny shorts and tank tops. And you're like, why am I watching this? What is this? <laughs> but amazing. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous, but I did pick it because I was like, it is one of my favorite movies and I guarantee like nobody else has it on their list. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check it out now. Yeah, I'll definitely should. have to check it out now. <laughs> Mr. James Rambo, what is on your list? My friend. I have so many. Um, I don't know which one to pick. Uh, all right. Um, I, uh, let's go with the movie I've talked about the most. Um, 
the Monster Squad. Monster Squad from 1987 <laughs> is one of yeah. my very favorite movies. Um, I have a shirt. I have the poster on my wall. I did a bunch of art from about uh, based on the characters. Um, it is the Universal Monsters versus the Goonies. Um, I also will uh, die on the hill that it is a better movie than the Goonies, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's it is a quintessential boiled down, um, uh, uh, just like perfect time capsule of the 1980s as a film. Uh, it is a bunch of little kids. Um, the oh, I think the oldest person in the group is like 14, uh, and he's the resident badass, uh, Rudy. Um, fighting, like, like saving the world by fighting Dracula, uh, the mummy, the wolfman, uh, and Gilman. Um, wow. It, uh, yeah, Emily, if you haven't seen this, you should I confess should. I have not seen this movie, so I've made a note of it. So that you I deserve to watch this movie, up. Emily. All yeah, right, it I, is, I, it is I'll check it perfect, out. <laughs> it is perfect 80s nostalgia. And, like, nice. the fact that it's written, it's written by Shane Black, the same guy it's who wrote by Shane oh. Black. Lethal Weapon yeah, 2. Wait, kiss, yeah. kiss, bang, bang, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, I love Shane Black. I mean, he's done a bunch yeah. of stuff, but that's the one that always immediately comes to mind first for him. Yeah. I love Here. that. All right, cool. I mean, I've even, written it down. <laughs> awesome. Uh, even beyond the, um, just like the the like the like plot elements, it's literally a bunch of kids fighting like monsters trying to take over the world. Um, there is an authenticity to... Uh, Shane Black's writing and his script that you that the kids feel a hundred percent three D like they are fleshed out characters. Nice. Um, and like heads up, it is from nineteen eighty seven. Uh, they are a bunch of little boys. They call each other horrible, horrible things. Oh yeah. Um, but again, that adds an extra layer of authenticity. I remember being a kid in the nineteen nineties and saying shit that I had no real concept of what it meant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it just feels real in a way that a lot of um, a lot of presentations of children don't, uh, which I really appreciate about it. And it's, it has it's almost like so, if you took Stand by Me and you put monsters in it. One hundred percent. Yeah, I had Stand by Me on on the the long list too. <laughs> As did I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? I mean, come on, Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. It just that movie. Um, it's probably the movie I've watched the most, uh, and can pretty much be, uh, uh, easily convinced to watch it pretty much any given time. Um, it also ends with a rap about the movie itself, uh, <laughs> which is one of those quintessential eighties staples. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And there's just, yeah. there's like the world that it, like they inhabit is so absurd in so many ways, even beyond like, Oh, well, there's monsters. Because it's not supposed to be, oh, this is a real world, and then monsters appear. Um, it is very much a, a figurative uh, uh, world, because without, I, won't, I won't give any specifics away, but like there's shit that happens where like the kids will reach out to certain people, and then they'll show up. You're like, how the fuck did this happen? What? what? Why? There's a, just an absolutely ridiculous throwaway scene during the montage where they're preparing to fight the monsters, because again, it is a movie from the 1980s, um, that they pay off at the end of the movie. Um, uh, I love that kind so, of thing. Yeah. It's, it's really smart and funny and, um, weirdly aware, like, like socially conscious in certain places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you have not seen this, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, if you've heard me say this, 
Um, one of the hundreds of times I have, I apologize for you having to hear me say it again. Um, is it, does it stream anywhere? Is it streaming? Right you know? now, uh, the last I saw it streaming was on Hulu, but okay. I don't know if it's still there. For everyone's uh, edification, I've just checked all the streaming sites for Running Scared and cannot find it streaming, so boo. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can rent it from, like, Xfinity uh, it might or be on, It might be on Prime Video right now. Or Prime Video, rather. Okay. Okay, That's what I'm cool. checking right it, now. It looks like it is, but you would have hey. to rent it. So it's not a... Yeah, see, that's yeah. the same. Running scared, you have to rent from Prime Video or Xfinity. It's not free. But for four bucks, I mean, four dollars for some 80s nostalgia. Let, let's not be... That's let's true. Not, let's not beat around the bush here, guys. You guys have wasted more money on things that were nostalgic before. Oh my gosh, I've wasted yeah. more money on so many things. I shouldn't even say that, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's we, so true. We've all spent spent more on less. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That is, that is exactly. true. <laughs> Wait, but yeah, um, if, if I have to pick one thing, it's going to be the Monster Squad. I, um, oh. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I want to, I want to take this theme that we've got running here, where it's a movie that maybe other people don't know, or maybe people really don't like that much, that we just absolutely fell in love with as kids, and still to this day, as Rambo said, we'll, we will die on the hill that this movie is amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do that for one that I know I'm going to take flack for, but I do not care. I have been singing the praises of the song, or I've, I've been singing the song since the early days of GGR, and it is the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe. God damn it, I love that movie. <laughs> oh, wow. I I probably saw that. I don't remember, to be honest, oh, but it, so it feels crazy. familiar in that way that you're like, I probably saw that back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderfully cheesy. It's, again, it's so wonderfully 80s. Like, Court, <laughs> Courtney Cox makes an appearance in this movie. Like, she's a main character. So is Robert Duncan McNeil, who would later play Tom Paris. I was going to say, fucking Tom Paris is, is, yeah, uh, exactly. is the male love interest. <laughs> Wow. It is it is wonderfully cheesy. Again, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, it's all based on a friggin' toy series, but they turned it into a movie. But not only that, um, the director, Gary Goddard, who also did one of my favorite kids shows from the 80s, and that's uh, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Ah. A lot of people were just like, oh, this is just cheesy, and it was all based off of toys. And somebody, and I can't remember who it was, but there was this like awesome video online where somebody says, hey, um, Gary Goddard, I wanted to talk to you about Master of the Universe, because I noticed in reading it that there are a lot of references and homages to Jack Kirby's New Gods, was that on, on purpose? And he goes, you are like the first person that actually is like pointing that out and gets that because it's exactly really? what going for. Yeah. So like huh. he, yeah, he's a huge Kirby fan. Like there, there's a lot of references to this, to, to the new gods in masters of the universe. And like, mm -hmm. you've got, you got Skeletor who is basically just a cartoon villain and excellent character actor. Frank Langella is playing him and he is just <laughs> chewing scenery the entire movie just over the top he's not like well what's skeletor's motivation he's like no he's like he man i'm going to break you and you're just like, i mean that's how them. you should do skeletor yeah. really i mean come on <laughs> exactly and it's just and dolph lundgren in just like essentially a loincloth the entire movie just going <laughs> right. around kicking ass like it's it's such a wonderful movie it's over the top the soundtrack is great like i if it's on oftentimes like like a like there's something wrong i will just stop and stare if it's on tv just stop what I'm doing. Even if I'm in the middle of doing something, I will just stop and stare at no, it. No, I totally get that. I do that with certain things too. I get that. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, cool. That's, yeah, I Langella, absolutely. His, God, he's just, there are tooth marks everywhere on this, on the, the yeah, sets of that movie right? from him. <laughs> God damn it. 
And like they, the funny thing about it is, is like they had planned, they had big plans for this movie, right? Like this was going to be like their centerpiece. This was going to be like a long running series where they were going to keep doing more He-Man movies. And it just didn't work out because the, oh. the studio was like, eh, nah, this sucked. You guys didn't make enough money. And they ended up using like all the set pieces in like a million other movies. Like I want to say it was like Universal Soldier, like ended up just like taking like all of the set pieces. And we're like, oh, we'll just use these. Don't worry about it. It's cool. And wow. yeah, just a what? great movie. Yeah. I remember reading about uh, how the, the whole movie was going to be on Eternia. And then right before filming, they lost a bunch of the investors. Um, so they're like, well, we can't afford to do most of these set pieces. Um, so that's why the movie takes place on earth. Um, because they didn't have to build shit. We just got to rent a location. Oh, that's um, too funny. yeah, it's, oh God, I love the, that fucking movie. Um, it is absurd in all the best ways, but it's also like, there's just enough like genuine, um, like authentic sort of like appreciation for the source material that it works like there's yeah. like there, there's definitely times when it's tongue in cheek but nobody's really winking at the camera that much um yeah i fucking i really do that movie yeah all right it's on my it's, list <laughs> i i got a I, feeling I feel like that. i probably did see it at some point to be honest but i'm gonna check it out again just in case um i i want to normally i'm gonna i'm gonna pull the curtain back here for just a second um a lot of times when we're doing these podcasts uh the people on the show will be messaging each other um about various things like oh hey you said this thing and this was wrong or like oh hey do you know this thing about this thing um so that it's all like a seamless product that we do here this is for you the listener so you're welcome um <laughs> rambo and i are going back and forth because he's like hey um are you the type of person that would want to know some horrible shit about somebody um yeah. and it might ruin something that you already that you already love um i know what you're talking about i know exactly what you're talking about the guy who created or was the director of Masters of the Universe um, and was the creator and director of pretty much every single episode and the main writer for Captain Power and the Soldier was accused of some really, really nasty shit. Oh, no. Um, oh. He was accused of molesting former child actors. And yeah. Oh, that stuff is so awful. It, it really it really is. And it's disgusting. And yeah, I, I'm the type of person that. What he what he did was awful. So anything going forward, I can't ever appreciate the way I look at it. It's like with um, Kevin Spacey, like everything that we know about him now going forward. I can't ever watch anything that he's going to be in. But I can mm -hmm. still appreciate that he was an amazing actor, that he did a great job as Kaiser Soze and the usual suspects, that he was amazing in uh, American Beauty um, and that he was an amazing character in uh, House Cards. But going forward, I can't touch or see anything same thing with gary goddard i, I cannot no it, it no absolutely not it's the same thing with brian singer at this point too um, yeah oh man. man yeah there's also another one of my movies i'll mention it quickly and if we want to talk about it later we can because i think that this is a whole subcategory of 80s movies uh -huh. um where it's just like those goofy like kids going out and doing fun things almost in the same vein as monster squad except a lot less serious and that's ferris bueller's day off Oh, oh, that's on my list. I love um, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love that. One of I love my that absolute too. favorites. But the the principal, Mr. Mooney, in yeah. Day Off, uh, he also has a CD record oh, of no. doing some really, really nasty shit. So it's, 
I think what we can do is we can put a pin in this because this is something we've never actually talked about before we've mentioned it. But I would like to do an episode where it's like, can you separate art from artist? I have a really hard time with it a lot of times. I, you know what? I do too. Like when I hear about it, the thing is often I just don't even know. But it is hard when you actually are aware to, yeah, to have to deal with that. Oh, yeah. that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Like another mm-hmm. another perfect example is like, um, I, I we joke about it on the podcast that uh, both Steve, who, who's not with us tonight, um, and Rambo both are singing the praises of Tom Cruise and his role in the Mission Impossible movies. And mm. I can't get behind Tom Cruise because of his um, Scientology. I was gonna uh, say his crazy Scientology, whatever. Yeah. And the same thing happened. <laughs> That's to me legit. With, the same thing yeah, happened with the Hulu series, um, The Handmaid's Tale, because the main the main character, um, June Osborne, is played by uh, Elizabeth. Why can't I remember her last name now? Elizabeth Moss. Thank, Elizabeth Moss. Thank you. And oh, she's right. also a Scientologist. And is she? Oh man. Yes. And the things that somebody called her out on Instagram and was like, "Hey, you know, your show that you're doing has some." you know it's really you're really making a stand for women's rights in these things but how can you as an actress stand up and do these things when in your real life you don't believe half of this stuff because you're a Scientologist Mm -hmm. and she was just like oh well you guys Scientology is misunderstood and yada 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 and I got really mad and I was like man fuck her Uh and like I stopped watching the show uh Uh it it also hit a lull a lull in the third season and I was like yeah whatever I'm out and then like the last four episodes of the of this season came out and they were all fucking dynamite and I was mad oh man <laughs> sucked me back now in. you're I, like I gotta watch it I gotta I was watch like, it. I mean the thing is like so good yeah the thing is it Scientology is a weird crazy unhealthy sounding cult yeah. but um I think there are some people who believe in Scientology who are harmless in the sense that they're not actually harming anyone. They're not harmless in the sense that they're perpetuating this Scientology thing, but they're not on the same level as like child molesters to me. I mean, generally speaking, I guess. I mean, like I said, they could be perpetuating and allowing other theoretical or alleged abuses in in the Scientology cult. But, you know, I think some people are just misguided. Yeah. As opposed to purposely choosing to harm another human being. Um, whereas when it comes yeah. to abuse or whatever, th- those are way, that's way more serious to me, you know, yeah. or at least on a different level. Yeah, I think, but, that's, I think that's fair. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that as much as this is a great topic, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try to keep it light tonight and let's, let's kind of circle back and, and, and we'll try to pull it back together and talk about movies after talking about this, but we will, I promise you ladies and gentlemen out there of the listening audience. And for you guys, the panelists, we, we will come back to this because this is a serious topic and I think it does. Yeah, need it to is be a tough topic. I think it needs its yeah. own episode. Cause it's, I don't want to, I don't want to make light of it by saying like Scientology is not bad comparatively or anything like that either. Like I'm just trying to express my thoughts in the moment, but it is, it's a tough and it's a tough topic that should, we should devote more time to if we're going to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, what I'll do is, is since Masters of the Universe is marred by that, um, I'll give another I'll give another um, guilty pleasure that I feel. God, this movie is so, so underrated. And it's like it it, it, it hurts my heart because it's such a good movie from top to bottom. It is just classic comedy. It is Chevy Chase at his absolute funniest. Ooh, and it is ooh, Fletch. Ooh. Oh, I that's a nice one. I was thinking about that. that one. Yeah, I was I was considering that as one of my choices. Yeah, nice. I've never actually seen Flesh. 
yeah that that is i would say put that on your list but that means that you'll you'll watch five other things before you watch it so 100 yeah it's been a very long time since I've seen it. I don't think I probably remember it to the extent that I do certain other movies, but I remember liking it a lot. I do. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of of the private investigator genre in general. Normally, like film noir, but this is like if you took film noir and you took out the darkness of it. If that's what it is, it's a crime investigation. Like Fletch is Ir Irving uh, Irving Fletch uh, Fletcher is his name, and he's a uh, investigative journalist for the Los Angeles Times. And a husband hires, or a guy hires him to uh, to kill him, and because he's dying of like this this bone cancer, and he's like, I want you to kill me because the pain of this is going to be horrible, and my wife will receive all of my money because he's posing as somebody other than a reporter, and. As the layers unravel, you, you find out all these crazy things that are going on. There's a, a there's a drug ring in Los Angeles that's actually being run by the Los Angeles Police Department. It's a whole thing. And like Chevy Chase is just it, hilarious from start to finish in this movie. It is just absolutely wonderful. It is totally worth your time if you can find it. I don't even know if it's streaming anywhere. It was on Hulu at one point. Um, but let me see if I can track it down. It's it's definitely worth your time. But let's let me let me pass the baton <laughs> over to our panelists. Uh, Emily, give me another one of your your favorite 80s movies that we need to discuss. All right. All right. All right. This one. This one. Other people might choose, but it is of the comedies. It is my favorite quotable. Another of the quotable movies for me. And my sister, who's three years older than me. Um, I have two sisters and one of them uh, is three years older than me. And we would we would watch a lot of the same shows and movies, obviously, at, at a certain point in our lives when we were both in the house, you know, before she went off to college. And um, there are three that are the quotable, the most quotable. Well, there are a few. So we used to quote Running Scared, which I mentioned, and I'm going to throw these out there just for, for quoting. We can talk about them more later if someone else chooses them, but Princess Bride is another one, <laughs> and and Labyrinth is... That was... Labyrinth was 80s too, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, so Labyrinth was another one, um, but beyond all of those, probably, except maybe Running Scared, maybe even Beats Out Running Scared, Clue. Clue oh, is one of fuck. our favorite movies to quote as well as to watch... It's brilliant. The cast is brilliant. It's got three different endings. And in the theaters, you could only see one ending. But of course, on the DVD or the you know VHS or at the end, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure on TV when they aired it, they showed all three endings. And all of them work. You know, they all, I mean, I, we all have our preferences, but they all work. And Tim Curry is freaking amazing. And like everything about that movie is so much fun. If If somebody says flames flames on the side of my face and somebody else doesn't get it they should be they're dead to me they're dead to me if they don't understand that if they don't get and you'd got a letter and you got a letter and you'd got a letter get on with it and all of that if they don't get one plus two plus one plus one plus one plus two plus one plus one, if they don't get those quotes then i am like what is where where did you grow up in a hole i don't know you know i mean but it's such a fun movie but it's also clever and it's also got interesting set pieces i mean this grand old mansion everybody's wearing cool clothes they've got like the the secret passageway into this weird garden where i covet the lamp that's sitting in the corner like there's all this weird <laughs> stuff about the movie that's so great they put a lot of thought into how it looked into how people dressed into the backstories into the different ways that the whole thing could work out and it's based on a board game a board game you guys like yeah. <laughs> it's 
Yeah, and the movie... board game is also super fun. That's the thing. I even have a version of the board game that's the um, Hollywood or the uh, Hollywood Tower Hotel, the Tower of Terror. Uh, oh, the, that's you know, excellent. Yeah, so it's like the Disney one, and it's it's basically instead of murder, it's who disappeared from the elevator because of course it's like a kids game. But yep. it's it's even fun to play that version. Like it's it's a clever game that got turned into a clever movie with great set pieces, great uh, attire, and great actors. Like the whole cast is is really either they were already really good or went on to do really good things, or you know we're in the middle of their you know roles and stuff and everything. And um, I'm trying to think who. Uh, sometimes I blank on names of of who's who. But um, da, 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 da. here it is, the cast, yeah. Um, so, you know, like Madeline Kahn was amazing. Leslie Ann Warren, who, by the way, was awesome in um, what's it, In Plain Sight. I love her in that. Michael McKean, who continues yeah. to be great in everything. I mean, like, he was amazing. Everybody was just freaking awesome. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher <laughs> Lloyd. And they're all sitting around like, I'm Professor Plum, you know, like... <laughs> Colonel Mustard, hello. <laughs> like it's such a ridiculous like concept that totally worked. Totally worked. I love that. I love that movie. Martin Mull as Colonel Mustard is fucking. Just oh everybody. my gosh! Yes, phenomenal. Right? Yeah. Everybody's so good. I remember. And, like the whole um the whole thing with uh with the the French maid being like you know like they they some of them knew her hint hint like and yeah. you know. Oh, just so funny. The, the double entendres and innuendos that are thrown into that those parts of it are, are very clever as well, like the whole thing. And then the whole like running around reenacting bits of things when they were when they were telling like the theories on who had done what. It's, it's just so great. I love it. <laughs> I um I, I want to give a, a very strange shout out. Okay. And the this the shout out is to the early days of Comedy Central. Because ah. specifically when Comedy Central first became a network, they did not have a lot of original programming. So what they had to do was is they had to get the rights to movies that nobody else wanted. Uh, mm -hmm. Movies, television specials, uh, stand-up specials. That's why it has a completely different look now than it did when, if you, if you, when you guys were watching TVs when you were younger. Ah. But movies like Clue and Fletch and um, I, I can't even – there's so many of them, so many amazing comedies that I first saw. High Spirits. High Spirits is another one, yeah. Like where these movies that you never would have seen otherwise because they, they were before your time. But I remember mm. Clue, and I'm like, they made a movie out of the fucking board game? I was like, this looks stupid. And then I saw Tim Curry was in it. And Tim Curry has this this quality that I can only describe as – he has a smirk that it's like he knows – that there's an inside joke and he wants to tell you, but he can't tell you quite yet. It's just right? all, all from one smirk. You get that from him. And you just, when I see that, I'm like, I, I got to watch this because Tim Curry is going to do something amazing. So, well, and you know, when I, when I saw it, it was, I like a lot of these movies. I, so I didn't, I didn't go to the theater a lot as a child. Um, I, you know, eventually I got to see the little mermaid or whatever, but um, <laughs> I think that was my first theater movie ever. Actually. Um, my parents don't go a lot. We didn't go a lot. Um, but I would see all these on, like I said, channel 11, I think it was, I want to say it was like WB, I, I, whatever, whatever it was, shout out to channel 11. Cause they ran tons of really good movies and that's how, so I had no idea about Tim Curry or who he was or who any of these people were. We just watched the movie and that's how we discovered, you know, all the, all the actors that were in it. So it's like coming at it from that perspective. I didn't know 
that he was going to be funny. I, we just thought it was a great movie. <laughs> but that's that's part of the fun of it, you know? Mr. Rambo, give, yes, us, a couple, give us a couple of your 80s picks. Um, let's see. Well, we haven't really... Well, no, we, we've, we've talked some more. Um, Creepshow, 1982. Ooh. Ah. Uh, Creepshow is a movie that is... It's an anthology film. Um, it is... Every story is written by Stephen King. Every uh, uh, story is directed by uh, George Romero. Um, and up until... Yeah, I'll say this. Up until Into the Spider-Verse, I don't think any movie quite captured the feeling of a comic put on film the way Creepshow does. Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. They will, like, there will be a, a reveal of, like, you know, a particular monster or something horrific on screen, and they will cut to a reaction shot from another character, and it'll be this, you know, Technicolor red or blue background with, you know, sort of a, a, a like a, um, not a star field, but like a starburst behind him, like, ah! Um, and it is unapologetically goofy in places, um, while also being really disturbing and fucked up in spots. Um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's really funny and super messed up, has a great cast, uh, including Ted Danson, Leslie Nielsen, Ed Harris, uh, Adrian Barbeau, Hal, uh, Hal Holbrook, um, Stephen King himself plays plays a, a lead character in one of the the few short one of the shorts in there. Um, and a little fun bit of trivia: there's there so between um, each of the the segments, um, there is a whole animated uh, intro and outro for the movie. Um, and before, so, so the, the, the conceit for the whole thing is this little kid has found this comic book called Creepshow, and he, this is him reading the comic. And so ah. every uh, short is a section in the comic itself. Uh, the kid is Joe Hill, son of Stephen King. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Current it's great. comic writer Joe Hill, yeah. Current, yeah comic and novel writer exactly. uh, Joe Hill. Um, you know, it's so it's so it stinks too that Steve's not on here right now because this was filmed in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, and that's Steve's hometown. No oh, shit! Cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'll have to bring. I'll, I'll have to be like, hey man, listen to this when you get a chance. But yeah, like that's this. this I I've seen. I didn't see this as a kid. I saw this um, maybe 15, 20 years ago. So I was like. I was pretty much an adult for the most part at this point. And like, I remember seeing this and I was like, this is messed up, but this is great. I really am enjoying. Why did I never see this as a kid? And yeah, like just great call, dude. I love this. I love creep show. So great. I confess. I don't think I ever saw it. The thing is, I didn't watch a lot of scary things growing up either. I, 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 I watched some, and I will watch more now, but I always have liked psychological horror more than I have like jump scare horror or grotesque horror. So fair enough. Um, but on the other hand, you said it was kind of comedic. And so I'm not saying I wouldn't want to see it. But, yeah, I don't think I ever encountered that when I was. It younger. is definitely got a sense of humor. Um but there are definitely a couple monsters. Um, it's it, yeah, it's not what I would call psychological horror at all. Um, it's because it's it's essentially supposed to be um, like like with with using the comic concept, it's supposed to be like you're they took like an old EC Comics horror horror comic and yeah. threw that on screen. 
I mean, it sounds familiar like I might have seen it flipping through channels, but I don't I don't recall watching a whole uh, you said it was like an anthology, but I don't recall watching a whole chunk of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like I get into stuff like Silence of the Lambs, Zodiac Killer, you know, stuff like that. Like, I, I think those are interesting um, psychologically. Like, I, I just finished reading Mindhunter and I'm all like, Mindhunter season two just dropped. Yeah. But um, but when it comes to like just the grotesque stuff, it depends but I have written it down. Everything we're recommending, I'm like, I'll check it out. Cool. Wonderful. Guys, what I want to do here real quick, because we have, we've only scratched the surface because you can't get into all of them. Okay, we just, we know it's not going to happen. But what we're going to do is we're going to come back here in just a few moments, because this is the first part of our 80s movie conversation. When we come back, we're actually going to talk to Miss Emily Witten because like I said before, she is an amazing comic book writer. We're going to talk to her about her experiences that she's had uh, with her book, uh, The Underfoot. We're going to talk about that and then we're going to get into the second half of the 80s movie discussion that we're having here tonight. So stay tuned, guys. We will be right back. Leave your friends behind Because your friends don't dance And if they don't dance Well, they're no friends of mine I say we can go where we want to A place where they will never find like we come from out of this world Leave the real one far behind And we can dance Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio Make sure you check out our website GreatGeekRefuge.com For more podcasts and our awesome articles This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags <laughs> <laughs> Yeah boy 